1 Samuel 3 verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of the God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli. Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, my son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know yet. I'm sorry, I got that. Did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been yet revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said, told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as in other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I have spoken against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sins he knew about, his sons uttered blasphemies against God. And he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifices or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you. Be it ever so severely if you, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He's the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. He let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord the Lord continued to appear in Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word and Samuel's word came to Israel thank you shall we pray Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this chapter, this part of the story of 
Samuel and then the kings as they're appointed and anointed uh, by you. Uh, But Lord, uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you might want to say to us from your word this morning. Let your spirit move in our hearts and lives and shape us and change us and make us more the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right. Uh, Now, if I was to say that sometimes we take things for granted until we lose them, you'd know what I'm talking about. Uh, I mean, that's a thing, isn't it? Uh, Before the pandemic, you know, I used to take toilet paper for granted. What about you? Uh, And there's probably a whole bunch of things that we took for granted uh, before the floods. Uh, Things like uh, clean water when we turn our taps on and a hot meal and the ability to be able to go down to the local supermarket and buy food. Uh, The ability to drive safely and assume that we could drive safely on our roads or stay safe in our homes even. There are a whole lot of things that we can take for granted until we lose them. Do you think we sometimes take the word of God for granted? What do you reckon? I mean, we have this precious gift, don't we? We have Bibles in abundance. There's a whole pile there. I saw them on the way in. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Most of us don't even carry one of these around anymore. Yeah, it's on our phone. If we need it, fantastic. And uh, on our computer, we can just go online. Bibles in abundance. It's there at our fingertips. And yet, how hard do you find it? to regularly set time the Bible. I mean, some of us struggle with that, don't we? A lot of us do. What about that kind of opportunity to, to, to spend a regular time with a small group? You know, we talk about our growth groups where we can get together with a small group of brothers and sisters to just read the Word of God and try and unpack together what that means about Him and then how that, what that means for us. I mean, Wow! How many of us struggle to find time for that? Or when it comes to a Sunday, you know, the, the sermon. It's kind of the boring bit, isn't it? Like, what is that? Uh, this, this, maybe not for you, but for many of us, we struggle in this space. Sometimes we don't realise how precious something is until it's gone. We, you know, when it comes to the Word of God, don't... We've all heard stories about people that don't have a Bible, uh, and, but they've got a scrap of a page or something, and they just hold on to it, and, uh, and yet here we are. So with that in mind, we are going to turn to this story of Samuel. And the first part of it we called, When God is Silent, verses 1 to 3. Take a look at what is going on here, the beginning of the chapter. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under, under Eli. So this is Samuel, and remember last week, Hannah, who uh, couldn't have a child and was praying, and then God gave her Samuel, and she dedicated Samuel back to the Lord in the temple there to serve with Eli the priest. Do you remember that story from last week, if you were here? 
We've had chapter 2 since then, and uh, you may not have had a chance to look over that one, but uh, we get some insight into Hannah's thankfulness and for the bigger picture of what's going on here, what God is doing. And we get a picture of Eli and his sons in the temple, his sons who, were, who weren't doing the right thing. So the priesthood was looking pretty uh, shaky at this point in time. Anyway, verse 1, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, he was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. But think about this. God rarely spoke to his people. That's what we're told here, isn't it? The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There weren't many visions. Do we realise how serious this is do we realize what this actually means for them I I was looking around in here in the Bible and I found an example from the prophet Amos and he wrote like it was two or three hundred years after this that Amos wrote but what he's doing here Amos the prophet he's warning Israel about all sorts of terrible things that are going to happen to them because of their disobedience but the worst Am I coming through? I'm coming in and out here, aren't I? I don't know what to do about that. Um, Anyway, worst of all, Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12, he says, The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine throughout all the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east searching for the word of the Lord but they will not find it do you see I mean a famine would be awful but even worse would be the absence of the word of the Lord but they're going to be staggering around it's a terrible thing the word of God was for Israel for his people it was their lifeblood it went to the core of who they were they were the ones who had this relationship with um with the creator god could it be the battery guys john no you don't think it's the battery you're not supposed to put it right in front of your mouth just keep going okay my apologies um anyway so so the word of the god was rare for israel this was their lifeblood it was they were being sucked dry um It is absent because of the depth of the crisis and the corruption in Israel at this time, right? And the previous chapter gives us a little glimpse into uh, what was going on. Even the priesthood, right? How far the priesthood had fallen under Eli. His sons, it says in chapter 2, were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. It says they were sleeping with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Probably not a great thing for the priesthood to be doing. So things weren't looking good. But then, in the midst of it all, we have Samuel. We have Samuel. He keeps popping up in chapter 2. And here he is again at the beginning of chapter 3. Samuel. And we are invited into this scene, verses 2 and 3 there, on a particular night. And and you've got Samuel, you've got Eli, and you've got all this imagery. And I, I wonder if you noticed in chapters 2 and 3, 
See, not only was there silence, but there was darkness. There was darkness. Eli, the high priest, he could barely see. And I think there's this sense, his physical condition is, is like a reflection of the spiritual. He couldn't see the light of day, nor the word of the Lord. But there is also, here, there is light and hope. It says that the lamp of God had not yet gone out. This is the lamp that burned all night in the tabernacle. And God, see, God hasn't yet abandoned his people. But where are we going to see this hope? Well, Samuel is there. He's lying down in the temple. He's with the ark of God, which represents God's special relationship or covenant with his people, his presence with them. So there's, there's Samuel. Eli, on the other hand, he is in his usual place. There's a contrast there. Anyway, before we go on any further, let's think about our, our situation. What, what does it mean, do you think, for you and me to have or not have God's word? What's it mean? What, what come, comes to mind? Do we understand the wonder that we have a God who speaks to us? How would we know? You know, if we didn't have a God who spoke to us, how would we know the wonder of his big purposes and his plans ultimately fulfilled in Jesus? How would we know about the love and the grace and the hope and the meaning and the joy that we can have because of him? How would we know? What would it be like if we did not have the word of God and that window into who he is and what he's all about? God's word really is our lifeblood too. We need it. And, you know, we only need to look around, don't we, to see what is left when people don't have God's word. What do we see? We see selfishness. We see brokenness. We see confusion. We see a lack of meaning. We see relationships breaking down. We see an absence of love. We see, we see conflict. We even see outright evil. Take away the word of God. What? Where are we without it? God's word is a beautiful, amazing gift. The psalmists knew this, didn't they? Uh, whenever I think of this whole question, I think of Psalm 19. You know, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and they do. You look at the world and you can work out some pretty amazing things about God. But Psalm 19 then goes on to say how beautiful his word is the, the law of the Lord, which is a part of his word, of course, is perfect. It refreshes the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord, they are right. They give joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord, they're not oppressive. They are radiant. They give light to the eyes. They are more precious than gold. They're much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. The word of the Lord. Psalm 119 is full of 
YouTube readers, there's a bit of length to it. I'm not going to kind of read the whole psalm now, but the, how precious the word, of, the word of God is. Verse 105 I've just put up there. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The word of the Lord. You know, sometimes we don't realize how precious something is until it's gone. My uncle, one of my uncles, he's still with us, thankfully. He's a blokey sort of a guy. Um, definitely not a Christian. He used to make sport of making fun of my faith. Um, but uh, one day he had a heart attack out of the blue. We didn't, weren't, no one was expecting it. He survived, but he almost completely most completely lost the ability to communicate. That was good timing. Um, anyway, they gave him a board. Have you ever seen those boards that people can use where you could adjust the... Maybe there's more high-tech versions now, but this was a few years ago. You could put the letters and kind of spell out a message and so on. And so he had one of these things. And when we went to visit him, you know what he used that board to say? He said to say that he loves us. Now he hasn't, I'd never heard him say anything like that before in my life. But faced with the prospect of not being able to communicate, that's what he wanted to say. Sometimes we don't know what we've got until it's gone. Now without God's word, we can know things about God. Like I said, just look around. But we can't really know him, can we? We can know things about him more than we can actually like know him and have a relationship with him. We need God's word. We're made for relationship. At the heart of relationship is communication, isn't it? And that makes words pretty important. So words, speaking. The creator God, just I'm just trying to get your heads around this as best we can. The creator God of all things actually wants to have a relationship with us. and So he wants to communicate with us. He speaks to us. He reveals himself and his purposes to us through his words. Do we, do we, are we getting any sense of just how amazing it is that this is... Hello, there I am. Okay, can we start to imagine? Okay, so there it is. That's where I want to start. Spend a bit of time on that. Next one, God speaks, verses 4 to 10. That's a good thing. He does speak. And that's the story. Uh, the, the Lord called Samuel, verse 4. Samuel answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, he called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not, know, did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli, said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized, and he took him three goes, that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down if he calls you. Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling us at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. There you go. 
What did you notice? What do you notice in that? Yeah, it took three times. Yeah. What's that tell us about God? Yeah, patient and persistent. He's committed to speaking to us. He wants us to know him. What else did you notice? It's related three times. What took three times? Yeah, use Samuel's name. That's, that's pretty cool. Sorry? Say that? Yeah, same as with Peter. Yeah, true. But here's the other thing. Eli and Samuel, did they, were they quick to hear? Kind of took a while for them to work it out, didn't it? Like it took Eli, the priest. Now the priest, there's, he kind of tuned in to God, you know. He didn't, took him three goes. And was God speaking first to the priest? No, he's speaking to who? This boy. Right? Now, did this boy recognize God's voice straight away? He didn't, did he? He thought it was Eli. And, and we're told here, aren't we, in verse 7, that um, he did not yet know the Lord. It says that, doesn't it? Does it say that? It says Samuel did not yet know the Lord, be, um, verse 7, because he hadn't revealed, revealed himself to him in that way. Um, that doesn't mean he was like Eli's sons who didn't know the Lord because of their contempt and rejection of God. It's just that God hadn't yet spoken to him like this. We're told elsewhere that, um, Jesus, uh, that uh, Samuel had ministered before the Lord and enjoyed the favour of God, right? It's just that God hadn't yet done like he was doing here, hadn't spoken to him in this way. Uh, this was taking Samuel's relationship with God to a whole new, whole new level. Right. Now, let's reflect for a minute before we continue. What are some things that stop us from hearing God speak? What are some things that stop us from hearing God speak? Now, the obvious one, the first kind of thing that could stop us is if God isn't speaking. I mean, that was Israel's problem at this time, wasn't it? That was Samuel's problem prior to this. God spoken to him like he was so if that was the case then we wouldn't be able to hear God speaking but of course does God speak to us today is his word available to us is it there of course this is the thing isn't it this is the amazing wonderful thing we've got the word of God it's there we know about Jesus God's word to us today in all its fullness and explained through his word we've got the word of God there so we don't have that problem. So what's the other thing that can stop us hearing God speak? And it comes down to us, doesn't it? It comes down to our hearts. It's a failure to be faithful. It's a failure to want to hear God speak. You know, this was Eli's problem. This was probably, this was all of Israel's problem at this time as well. They didn't, they, they weren't faithful. They were going off in all kinds of directions. Now, how do we be faithful in this? Well, do we really want to allow God to speak to us through his word? Would be a good question, wouldn't it? Do we? Do we, want, do we have hearts that are open to letting God speak into our lives because 
you know what might happen it was like what I was saying up here about discipleship and the problem with discipleship is it starts with us right if we're going to hear God speak he's going to want to change us for good but do we want that do we want to let God have his way with us you know if we really wanted it then maybe his word will come alive in a whole new way and maybe we struggle to read it so much so failure to be faithful you know we might read the words but are we really reading with hearts that are willing to submit to his loving authority in our lives and his holy spirit's work okay if we're if we're reading the words but we're not reading it with that kind of faithful posture that open humble posture we are missing a key ingredient we are not actually going to hear god speak does that make sense comes down to our hearts anyway anyway back to our story finally at shiloh back there in those days there is someone who is ready and willing to listen to god right and so let's see what god says verses 11 to 18 so he's finally got their attention and the lord said to samuel see I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. That's an interesting kind of phrase, isn't it? I think it means it's not going to be very pleasant to hear. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family. You can read about that back in chapter 2. A prophet came and mourned that God was going to do all these terrible things to Eli and his family because of what he'd allowed to happen in in the priesthood and around the worship of God with his sons the lord's offering by contempt and all that read chapter two later okay uh, I, I, I will carry out all these things that i already spoke against you from beginning to end verse 13 for i told him that i would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about his sons blasphemed god and he failed to restrain them therefore i swore to the house of eli the guilt of eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering Then Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes that's what god said it's not a new message it's one that he's already passed on through a prophet back there in chapter two we don't know how long ago that had happened that god had already told eli that he was going to do this thing to them judge his family like this put yourself in samuel's shoes how's samuel feeling probably not real great He's got this message and it's not a very nice message for Eli. And you can imagine when Samuel kind of going back to bed after this vision, maybe not sleeping so well, tossing and turning a bit. It talks about him opening the doors to the new day. I've got a picture for that. But you can imagine as Samuel opened the doors, maybe finding it a little bit hard to, to appreciate uh, the new day, carrying this burden of this message. 
of course, Eli, he's really keen to know. He presses Samuel for the details. He possibly expected something like this because he'd already got the message earlier. He knew, might have kind of had a sense of what was coming. But then, how did Eli respond when he got the message? Can you remember? It's at the end there, verse 18. Yeah, he says, He is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. That's pretty impressive. So, I mean, for all the other stuff about Eli, that's possibly his most impressive moment, acknowledging God. Um, but yeah, God's word. This is God's word here. God's word can be... I wonder how you're going to go with this. God's word can be bad news. It was bad news for Eli, wasn't it? Is that right? Yeah, it was. It was terrible news. Can God's word be bad news for us? It can feel pretty bad, can't it, when God's word is shining a spotlight on our sin and our sin in the face of the holiness of a glorious loving God, you know? When God's word does that, it doesn't necessarily feel like good news, does it? And the judgment that we deserve because of it. But of course, this is God's way, isn't it? It is only when we actually come face to face with the dark truth of all of that that we can really have any sense of the wonder of the good news. Because God is the one who, despite our sin and despite what we deserve, has sent his own son graciously and lovingly to take upon himself what we deserve because of our sin. So there's bad news, but it's bad news that God has transformed into the best news of all. But it's worth thinking about this, actually, because when I think about this, I realise I find it pretty hard to tell other people news. Are you like me with that? Like we want people to know about God's love and forgiveness. But how are people going to understand it? unless somehow they go through the, the, the valley of coming face to face with who we are before the Holy God. Our brokenness in our own lives. I mean, it's often not until people go through some terrible things in their lives and come face to face with their own brokenness, the bad news, before they can really receive the grace and the forgiveness and the sense of needing God's intervention in their life the bad news and the good news the good news transforms it all doesn't it because of Jesus are we willing to share the bad news so that people can receive the good news do you get what I'm saying it can be hard okay God continues to speak we're wrapping it up now from verse 19 the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognised that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. There he revealed himself to Samuel through his word and Samuel's word came to all Israel. God is no longer silent in Israel. He is speaking. 
He's raised up this prophet through whom he speaks to his people. And it says, God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. What a picture of God's open and reliable and faithful word. The God who cared for Hannah back in chapter 1 cares, in fact, for all of Israel at this time of need, at this time of leadership crisis, by giving them Samuel, through whom he will speak. Uh, Once again, thanks to God's loving, gracious intervention, they have his word and they can be his people. That is the picture here. God is faithful to his people to bless them. He wants relationship and so he speaks. So, in our case, in our case, if we want to hear God speak, we just need to look at Jesus. We just need to look at Jesus. It's through Jesus that God has spoken clearly has revealed what he's like and what he what he's done for us hebrews chapter 1 uh, verses 1 to 3 in the past god spoke to our ancestors spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various through people like samuel but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son through whom he appoint whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe the sun is the radiance of god's glory you want to know what god's glory looks like look at jesus he's the exact representation of his being that is how god has spoken to us and we've got the bible of course where god reveals the fullness of his loving purposes through history but especially through jesus how could we ever take the word of god for granted how could you and I ever take the word of God for granted? I think of my uncle. I think of my uncle and the wonderful gift of communication with friends and family. How much more the gift of communication with the loving creator of all things. Wow. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are a God who speaks that you love us and that you want us to know you. Heavenly Father, give us hearts that want to hear you speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.